Welcome to the CAFMA Connect. I'm your host, Fire Chief Scott Freitag, and with me again is my co-host, Assistant Chief of Operations, John Fetima. John? Still here. You are still here. Yeah, still here. I'm going to take a moment. I think this is a great opportunity for people who um, would love to be here. Send an email to uh, Chief Freitag. You know his address. He'd be I'd be glad to share this seat with anybody who would like to uh, have this opportunity. So. You know, your enthusiasm is just, is out there. I'm here to serve. You You are. You are. And you do a great job, and I appreciate this. Well, these are the episodes that you and I do that are really cliff notes of the review for because we send out the, the weekly newsletter, and we don't get a lot of people that read it because, well, there's words and apparently not enough pictures. So we thought... This would be the picture, and we could give you some Cliff Notes version of what we put out in our weekly newsletter. For those who don't get it and who are new to our podcast, you can go to our website at www.cazfire.org, and you can subscribe, as we say each time. If you're an employee here, the unsubscribe button won't work for you, so you can quit pushing it. You said this is uh, you know, the picture. Uh, this might not be our best argument. Well, maybe they'll start reading it instead of watching this. Perfect. But as we've said before, people tune in for a train wreck, and that's what this looks like. Stay tuned to the end. Yes, you have to stay tuned to the end. So, John, this week in the review, the Chief's Desk, um, we're taping some of our longer episodes of uh, the CAFMA Connect. And I was talking with Craig Lapsley, who is from Australia. Is the former fire commissioner and former emergency management commissioner for um, Victoria, the state of Victoria in Australia. And he shared a concept with us that, and I just, it, it struck me. And it, the basic concept is better information leads to better decisions, which leads to better outcomes, which ultimately leads to safer communities. To me, it seems pretty commonsensical. <laughs> yeah. Now you'd think that would be, uh, like I say, the common sense part of it. The better the information that we have coming in, the better we we able to make the decisions. And we see it somewhat no different than our own uh, data analysis, whether it's training um, or whatever we're putting into the systems that we have right. internally. Um, that's why we try to encourage folks to you know make sure they're vetting that information and getting the information in because it's hard to make some of those long-term decisions without good information and good uh, data being put in. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that, that Craig, because when we were talking to Craig, the, the idea was resilient communities. Mm-hmm. And I started looking at this, and as often happens in my brain, um, I start breaking things down and saying, well, can we look at this on a more micro level? Um, how do we look at this on an individual level? And as we've talked about in, in previous reviews or cliff notes of the review, um, you know, we're going to be seeing a lot of turnover in the next several years here at CAFMA. And so when I looked at it, I said, wow, better information leads to better decisions, leads to better outcomes, and ultimately a safer community. But you could change that that safer community to something else. And so I said, well, what for our employees, better information? As an employer, it's our job to make sure that they have good information. Mm-hmm. And for us, we have the compass, which spells out you know, our uh, philosophies, our values, our mission, vision, our expectations. Uh, we have succession plans for those who want to promote for every position. I don't think we're missing a position in the succession plans, are we, that you're aware of? No, I don't think we're missing much out of that at all. 
And we try to update those from time to time saying, hey, here's a new class, whatever that we expect you to have. Um, so they have good information uh, to build off of. So if you have a, a firefighter who says, you know what, or an engineer that says, I'd like to promote to captain one day, they can grab that information. They can gather that information together. Um, they understand what the expectations are and they can then make better decisions about what programs to take. They can set up their path for success. Yeah. I think we've done a, uh, a good job as an organization, and this goes back a number of years, in establishing that succession plan. So there's a clear path to say, here's the education and training that you need to have in order to move up in the organization. Now, that always changes because opportunities, you know, uh, exist sometimes and they don't exist other times. So there are limitations to that progression forward. But um, as far as the succession plan and the information that is out there, there is a clear path. The challenge I think we see sometimes is just because you have that education, just because you have taken those steps, the, the there's a big piece in terms of the application part Absolutely. of it. So that's always, uh, you know, the next step is get the training, get the information, no different than, like you mentioned, getting the data in. Um, it's what we do with that information that then kind of highlights whether or not we've, uh, we've retained it and whether right. we've committed it to heart. Well, you can be highly educated and, and lack any level of common sense. Yes. Um, you can desire to promote into a higher level position, but the reason you're trying to promote is more about authority or power than it is about the bigger picture, which is um, uh, keeping the organization on track. Because what what we end up with, if we if we take the information that's provided to us and we make good decisions about what programs we want to take, and then we have we have better outcomes when we we test. Hopefully, we're more uh, we're more competitive, mm -hmm. um, and then in the end, we end up being better individuals for the organization, which is better for the community as well. So ultimately, it, it gets there. You just break it down in a different way than you would uh, typically looking at building resilient communities. The reality, I, I think, is that we need to build a resilient organization, and that means having people ready to take those next positions. And and something you said, and, and I really like it when you talk about it's how the person applies it. And I think that's where you go back to the compass because it lays out how we expect you to act. Sure. In these positions. And if you're acting outside of that, well, then you're not preparing yourself for that next level position. Yeah. Like you say, our, our actions speak the most for um, what we are, are putting in and what we are acting out at that point. And obviously, it's one thing to provide the training and the information. We do the best to provide that information uh, that in quality instructors to right. make the information relevant and give those examples. Ultimately, it, it comes down to each of us as individuals to put that information into action. And I think, again, like you mentioned, it uh, that's what we'd hope for everybody to do. Because even when we have outside evaluators come in, our hope is that we've done our due diligence to prepare those individuals. Right. And it's always an interesting conversation after the, the testing is complete to talk to those outside evaluators and uh, get their perspective because there's definitely times when we get information from them to say, you know what, we think that you have a hole in this area or that area. Right. And it's usually taking that information saying, okay, how do we continue to evolve that uh, succession plan, the training and education to make sure that we're, we're working to fill those gaps? Yeah.
because sometimes that could be on an individual uh, level or it can be on an organizational level where it's like, hey, we need to fix this component. Well, and one of the steps that um, I wrote about this week in the review is that, you know, one, like you said, it's personal responsibility. But two, the succession plan is our baseline, right? That's not uh, – you take all these things and you're ready to go. This gives you uh, the minimum that we're looking for. But the reality is we're looking for far more than that um, we're, from an education perspective, from a training perspective, from a, a personal perspective, someone that truly understands what what leadership and commitment is. Yep. No, and I think uh, our organization, especially being the size that it is, it's built on the membership uh, being interested, not just in taking the next step, but building the organization as a whole. And that's where you see all those other programs, the different training opportunities that come right. from. It's uh, the CAFMA, the, the, the personnel within the organization that are dedicated to, to moving the whole organization forward. Right. Yeah. It, so I lay this out in the written portion of the review. There's like four steps that I add in there. And then I, I zoom out and we're not going to get into it, but I zoom out and I take a look at, hey, what's the macro level when we're talking about resilient communities? And I use an example that's that's timely. We're not going to get into it on uh, the podcast. <laughs> um, it is timely, but it shows how if you're not uh, inputting good data, which means you don't have the good information, then you can't make good decisions. Uh, which means you don't have good outcomes and ultimately uh, you don't have a stronger community. And I'm not trying to bash anyone with that or any particular group of people. It's just, it's an example that fits, that's timely. So we we hit this concept from both both a micro individual and a macro, more global view. Um, And on one side, a successful application of it. And on the other side, when you don't apply it properly, what can happen. So there's a couple of articles as we do every week that we put in the review. Um, And the first one this week is on should we stop managing performance and start coaching uh, by Stuart Hearn. And uh, the link is in there so that you can you can go look at this and and read the entirety of the article. But the idea is, and and we've talked about it in our, our evaluations, what are we really trying to get out of those? Yeah, no, I think I say it's a Ultimately, you, you want uh, the evaluation process to be encouraging good performance, and uh, it's, a, it's a tool at that point. And uh, you look at how you can use that tool in coaching, mentoring, and helping someone move forward. Right. No, and, and I think, you know, there's a model that the city of Westminster, Colorado uses, and it was in one of their uh, training programs. They had the, uh, the cohort do a study, look at this thing, and they develop what they call, instead of an evaluation form, it's talent development. And, you know, so many things today, it, it when you say evaluation, people think negative. Absolutely. When, when you talk about talent development, you think positive things. Yeah, absolutely. Like you say, it, it's a tool. Right. So the other article that we listed this week is uh, being successful in the fire service that talks kind of like what, what we did just a few minutes ago, which is a personal responsibility, setting goals, uh, really working on that path to success. Perfect. And then the final thing, this is the uh, this is the edition where we have the call numbers for the month. And once again, we are up uh, for 2020. We are at 1,246 calls for October. Uh, we're on path for a pretty significant increase in call volume for this year. Yep. I think it's only we've looked at some of the projections and it's only going to continue to rise and we're going to have to see how we have to react to that and respond to the the growing call volume and uh, how we continue to build the organization. How do you think the 40-hour engine's working out right now? 
I think it's doing good. Obviously, we're looking working with PRCC to kind of hone in the response area. Okay. And uh, just recently communicated some of the, the move-up uh, policies and trying to make those adjustments. More to come. Um, so I think it's going well. And obviously, we're using that crew as some of the feedback. And with uh, obviously 2020 being what it is, I think it would be nice to see, you know, given some other time uh, with training and other activities kind of picking back up, it would be nice to see how they're utilized uh, fully. Right. Well, that takes us from uh, what we generally have, 10 full-time stations, which means 10 engines on the road 24-7. This one, Monday through Thursday during peak hours, so 40 hours a week. Um, So for 40 hours a week, we actually have 11 piece apparatus on the road. And we have a large area to cover, but the call volume continues to go up. So, John, thank you very much for uh, taking part again. Um, as John said, anyone out there who would like to take John's place, you can send me an email. I'm going to ignore it because I just enjoy watching this. Just having John sit here. The discomfort (laughs) is amusing. I I bring that to most conversations I'm a part of discomfort, awkwardness. It's just, uh, just life at this point. So, well, until next week, enjoy your upcoming weekend. Uh, the review in written form will be out uh, Friday as it always is. Thanks again, John. You bet.